Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the prophet Isaiah, the second chapter. You may be seated. But dear friends in Christ, it's always hard to say that the text is from the prophet Isaiah. There's always something in me that wants to say from the gospel of Isaiah. Though Isaiah was written long before the bodily presence of Christ, he so clearly demonstrates how it is that Jesus will be among us and what he will do and what he will suffer and for whom he will do all of it, which is you. In fact, our reading today from that second chapter is another very clear picture of the gospel. Although we may have to kind of see exactly how this is placed. Because when you read what he's saying, when it will come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established, you kind of think, well, all right, either this is a day yet to come, which is true, or it should be happening now. And look at all the glorious things that happen in it in those latter days. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But you look at the church because this is really what this is talking about. The mountain of the house of the Lord is the church. And you look at it and you wonder, are people really coming? Do people really admonish one another to come into the presence of God? And the answer, of course, is no. That's not what's happening at all. So then what is Isaiah talking about? Well, he is actually talking about the days after what Jesus is talking about in our gospel lesson. If you paid attention in the gospel lesson, this is something I think that gets misused a lot in American Christianity. Jesus says that the latter days will be like the days of Noah, when a few are saved and when many are taken away. That's what he's saying. When two men are walking together, one is taken away and one is left. In American Christianity, they often say, well, the one who is taken away is taken to the Father. And that just shows me that they have no biblical literacy. That's not what's going on. To be taken away is bad. That's judgment. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken and one will be left. To be taken is bad. But notice, the woman in the Gospel lesson who's left It doesn't say she stops working. See, what Jesus is giving us is a picture of what that day after the last day is. It's a picture where believers are separated from the unbelievers. Where we get about the work of God in this world. You have to remember, our hope is is not to die and go to some effervescent heaven where we float around on the clouds. Our hope is to be with Jesus wherever he is. And so it may be that if you die before he returns, you do go to heaven, you go and be with your Lord. But that's not the end. The end is your life. Life eternal. Life forever. And in a world where there is life forever, there is always work to be done. The difference is, it will not be a burden anymore. 
The work that we have in the world after our Christ returns will be good and it will be blessed and it will be wonderful and fruitful and it will be by you and me and all those who have put their trust in Christ. To be left behind is a good thing. To be taken away, to be swept away in the floodwaters that are those waters of judgment, those waters of damnation, that is not what we desire. But Isaiah picks up here after what Jesus has said. When they're taken away, the unbelievers are taken away, and all that are left are those who have put their trust in Christ. Isaiah picks up. It will come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established on the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills, and the nations shall flow to it. That is a picture, my friends, not of everyone in the world looking at the church and saying, oh my goodness, how wonderful this is. It is a picture of we who are left coming to the place where our God reigns. Revelation paints the picture that the kingdom of God will descend out of heaven and rest upon the temple mount in Jerusalem. And if that's true, if that's exactly how that happens, if we take that as a literal reading, then we must trust that this Mount Zion, the mountain on which Jerusalem is built, will be lifted up even above the heavens, served by the very kingdom that has been placed on top of it. This kingdom will have no end. But it is lifted up in this place that all people would see it. I know you have to imagine for a moment that, well, all the flat earth theorists, those conspiracy theorists out there, maybe they're right for a second. Maybe God will flatten the earth out when he comes back. So that no matter where you are on the planet, when you live forever, you will see the mountain of the house of the Lord lifted up above the clouds. No matter where you are, you will see it. However this works, it will be wonderful. That mountain shall be lifted up. This, in fact, is why churches so often are built on top of hills. We have near us Holy Hill. And I'm sure many of you have been there. If you haven't, it's definitely worth the excursion to go out to Holy Hill and to see this beautiful church built on top of the highest hill in Wisconsin. It's gorgeous. It is a place that you can see for miles around, and people around it know where they're heading as they make their way to worship their God. It is this way in most European towns where you would put the church on the hill. It is even this way here at SPI, where our church is built up on a hill above 76th Street so that people, as they're coming, may see us and come to this place and worship God. But that day may not yet be fulfilled. That day is only fulfilled when Jesus comes again. For what will the people do in the house of the Lord at this time? They will say, come, let us go up to the mountain, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. And you go, well, we're living in this moment in the resurrection. We're living in this moment of life eternal. We've been raised from the dead. Why do we need to learn more of God? And I would say to you, if you ever have a loved one, do you ever look at them and say, well, I've been with you for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't really need to know anything more about you. When it comes to our God who is infinite, we shall be in his presence forever and we will always have more to know about who he is. 
And that is a wonderful picture. In fact, this is what we still do today, where we come before our God to learn what it is that he would have us know. To learn what it is to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ. We know that we've failed. Paul convicts us of this in Romans today when he speaks even of this law. All the laws that are there in the Bible are there fulfilled in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have not done well with this, my friends. There are so many in this world, so many in our lives that we look at with hatred or disgust. And that will not do. That is the opposite of love because it is the breaking of the commandment. It is the opposite of love for instead of helping our neighbor, instead of helping them in what they need, helping them in their body, helping them in their life, we instead either seek to hurt them or we look upon them with complete apathy and we do nothing. Jesus says, even this in your heart, well, this is murder. And so we are all in this way murderers. We are all in this way breakers of the law. When it comes to learning the ways of Jesus, we haven't done it. We might try, but we are failures. We are complete and abject failures. We're sinners, each and every one of us. And we do not deserve to be there in the mountain of the house of the Lord. We instead deserve to be taken away with the flood. But, my friends, you who are baptized, you have been taken away by the flood. And you have been brought back to life. The waters of the judgment of God have washed upon you and have made you clean. And they have set you before God in such a way that you no longer have fear stepping into his presence, but instead may enter it into with thanksgiving. Here our Lord welcomes you with open arms, teaching you his ways, teaching you his reasons. In fact, it is that in the house of the God of Jacob, we will see what the law truly is. The law does not pass away from this life to the next, but instead goes with us into eternity. It is eternal. And from Zion goes forth the law. Thus it is that the woman who is working at the mill, who is left behind, continues to work. For the law tells us that work is good. Work is good. Because it is a loving of the neighbor. And in this way, God, it says, will judge between nations. He'll decide disputes between peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I do not think you should take this in such a way to say there will be disputes in the resurrection. There will be disputes in everlasting life. That's not it. But then when our Lord reigns from Zion, all disputes that we have had in this world have been put aside. The weapons of this world, swords and guns and chemical weapons, will all be changed into something that is beautiful. I love that swords into plowshares, swords which spill the blood of soldiers and warriors into the very ground where now indeed those swords will be working to bring forth the fruit of the Lord. And spears, so long being able to attack someone from afar, will be turned into pruning hooks in which we take that fruit of the Lord and we get close and intimate with it and we bring it into the assembly. 
Instead, take this for whatever, what is everlasting life. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But my friends, that day is not yet. Today we still have swords and guns and spears and war. The day of the Lord has not yet come. We suffer in this world with all the world trying to come against us in every single way that it can imagine. Whenever we seem to put one way down, it comes at us with another. After all, in the last century, we basically eradicated polio and smallpox. And, well, this century, the world comes at us with COVID. Milwaukee seems to be a place where growth is happening, where a lot of things are coming back into the city, and yet we have reached the highest crime level of recent history. I don't even know if when you walk out of this place, if your car is still going to be in the parking lot. The world is going to be attacking us until the end. It's just the way that it goes. Because the day of the Lord has not yet come. So, what do we do? What do we do? Get back to work at the mill. Go back and work for your neighbors. Serve them. Work with them. Work for them. Give of yourself till it hurts. This is practice for what is to come. Not because you do this out of obligation for your salvation, but you do it because you are looking for the second coming of Christ. You are looking for the day when you walk into the temple of the Lord and you see Jesus sitting there and he teaches you and he says, Yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing that and it's a joy, my Lord. On that day, that will be a glorious and blessed thing. So get back to work. When you leave this place today, see your neighbor's needs. Work to help them in all things. And get back to work. And at the same time, pray. Pray earnestly. Pray, come, Lord Jesus. Look to that second coming. Look to the skies when you shall see him coming from the clouds. Look to see if he is coming yet as you work. It's not very popular in Lutheran circles to start talking about how we do works in this world. But it's necessary, my friends. We work in this world not to bring about a utopia, not to bring about the coming of the Lord, for he will reign in his own time. But we work because our neighbor needs us to do it. We work. And we work. And we look to that day when work is no longer a burden, but it is a blessing in every single way. A day in which our Lord returns, coming with all those saints who have gone before us. A day in which he will translate us from this life into the next. A day that will begin the bliss of the Lord that shall reign even unto eternity. A day in which we can say to one another, O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace which passes all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.